the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 323 for August 5th, 2012. MVNO competition heats up, the next iPhone's arrival all but confirmed, and a major update for Google Wallet. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Let's start this week by talking some numbers. Market researcher Comscore on Wednesday released U.S. mobile subscriber market share results for the June quarter, and they show Android has continued its dominance, but iOS is on the rise. Out of the 110 million people that own smartphones in the U.S., Android commands a 51.6% market share, and iOS has 32.4%. Now, RIM comes in at third at 10.7%, and Windows has fallen a tenth of a point, now down to 3.8%. All others make up the remaining 1.5%. 234 million Americans are now using mobile devices, with Samsung as the top handset maker, pulling in 25.6% of users. LG followed in second with 18.8%. Then Apple at 15.4, Motorola at 11.7, and HTC at 6.4%. AT&T announced on Thursday it would be acquiring Next Wave Wireless for $650 million. The purchase will bring various Spectrum licenses in the 2.3 GHz WCS band, along with some in the 1700 MHz AWS range. The WCS frequencies are adjacent to satellite radio spectrum and currently are not used due to possible interference concerns. AT&T and Sirius XM, however, have said that a proposed solution from earlier in the year would alleviate these concerns. So they're buying this uh, company and the Spectrum to basically, they're, they're buying the Spectrum just as a buffer so they can then use the Spectrum they already own to possibly, you know, put an LTE network on. So it's kind of an interesting uh, workaround to be able to build a network on the Spectrum you own, but you can't until you get a buffer because if this company was going to deploy something on it, then you couldn't run your network. So they're just buying a buffer, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, hopefully they can do it to, you know, gain more, uh, uh, gain more spectrum. And, and that network that we're talking about is going to be a part of their LTE uh, plan. So they're going to put LTE up on that higher uh, frequency range. And I'm guessing that's going to be more for kind of capacity things and stuff that happens in major areas just based on the frequencies that they're using. You know, I would think so. And of course, it, it, it actually is probably going to get pushed through because I know the story had mentioned that they had um, uh, the spectrum has been unused for over a decade. So let's put something to use here that's uh, out there. So I, th- I think it should be a should be good for AT&T. Yeah, there, there's a number of components to this. There's a $25 million contingency payment plus uh, another $25 million at some point that'll come along. And then there's another $600 million that in cash that's being spent by AT&T for this. And that'll kind of take care of Next Wave's debt and, and, and move them kind of out of the way. And so then they can take advantage of this. But yeah, obviously good news uh, for... Uh, you know, for is taking advantage, as Joey points out, of additional spectrum that was not being used and, and will obviously help us with some capacity concerns that we have. And of course, AT&T does need that. The FCC this week announcing that Verizon was in violation of the open access rules for the 700 megahertz spectrum that it owns when it blocks third party software that allows a device to tether itself to others for Internet access. 
Verizon had previously blocked tethering apps in order to get customers to pay an extra $20 a month to use their data plans for the feature. Applying to the C block of spectrum on the high end of the 700 megahertz band, the government says that the LTE spectrum must remain open to allow users to use the data they pay for in any way they desire. The FCC, though, will continue to allow Verizon to charge the $20 per month for customers who retain grandfathered unlimited data plans. The ruling does not apply to 3G-only devices that use the traditional 800 and 1900 megahertz spectrum. Well, this is something I remember we talked about maybe a year and a half ago uh, when this first started kind of, uh, you know, getting these frequencies running and and they were being charged with not using the band appropriately. And uh, it was very interesting to see a resolution of this particular uh, you know, minor detail of that frequency, the the regulations behind it. So this is very good news for uh, Verizon customers on those old plans. Obviously, obviously, now if you're on one of the new uh, share everything plans, you're getting tethering included if your device supports it already. So I suppose it's kind of a moot point for that. But it's a very, uh, it's kind of a very interesting allegation. And of course, you know, Verizon denying that they uh, block tethering apps that uh, that's not going to quite fly because it was very obvious when you would search either app store these apps were missing or they say it's not supported by your carrier right and you know there's as we as we mentioned here this is only relating to devices that use that 700 megahertz band uh they also what they said is they said that they cannot block the use of this but who knows what that's actually going to mean again you know for those that are on the grandfathered unlimited plans um this does not apply to you you can still be charged the 20 dollars a month to use these um even if it becomes available and you've got a device that's using the 700 megahertz band um and and you can get it on your device there are still implications that verizon could uh interfere and and say okay if you want to use this that's fine but you can't use an unlimited plan or or different things like that but either way the 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 ruling was verizon has to pay a fine really a nominal fine if you look at their total revenue of 1.25 million dollars and they have to immediately start allowing the tethering apps uh, to be available uh, for these devices and they also uh, have to train employees to be compliant with open access requirements so uh look for a webinar if you're a Verizon employee, to come very soon. Republic Wireless on Tuesday reopened its beta program to new customers, and it also began offering a new device with the plans. Following the launch last April, the $19 per month Unlimited Everything company has been closed to new customers. Also, the aging LG Optimus S has been replaced with a new Android 2.3 running Motorola Defy XT that's available for $149. The service uses Wi-Fi as the main way to connect for calling, texting, and data not a bad deal if you're looking for to get in on a you know a service that if you spend a lot of time in wi-fi and you're okay with just one specific device uh this is you know 19 dollars a month is is really really cheap it is and we'll just have to see if they can stick around and make money with this model you know if enough customers use wi-fi and don't over uh overuse their the the sprint uh 3g network and the uh the, the voice minutes that you're allowed unlimited but you have to keep it under a certain limit (laughs) <laughs> you know this weird unlimited but limited uh, if they can keep uh, keep going at that uh, at that rate we'll see how long they stick around yeah it's secondary device i think this would this would be great for i'm not sure if i would feel comfortable having my my primary device as this but um, but certainly a secondary device for only twenty dollars a month and you get all of this with it especially if you need to do 
some calling. Uh, this could be could be a really good thing. Well, Simple Mobile on Wednesday announced a price drop for its unlimited plans to $50 per month. The SIM-only service provides unlimited voice, global text messaging, and 3G and 4G data on unlocked devices that take advantage of T-Mobile's uh, network here in the U.S. up to 42 megabits per second. The previous price for Simple Mobile was $60. So another one of these, you know, if you're looking for a SIM-only service and you can take advantage of a device that uses T-Mobile, such as, let's say, the unlocked global Galaxy Nexus, this is a great way to go. 50 bucks, unlimited everything here. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm, I'm comparing that to a Sprint plan that I started about two years ago. That's now out of contract. I got to get you know, moved around right now. Not for me, but uh, $99 for the unlimited everything is what Sprint was charging, you know, two years ago for unlimited everything. So, you know, obviously it doesn't quite have the footprint uh, that team, uh, you know, it's a little bit more of a footprint than T-Mobile, but still half the price pretty good and uh one other thing to point out here uh it's actually global text messaging so depending on who you need to contact uh you know maybe it's either here in north america canada mexico or uh elsewhere uh that could you know play a factor in here i mean that's that's certainly worth something i mean there's you know probably five to fifteen dollar a month extra charges that get put on by some of the tier one postpaid plans that that you buy so take a look at that if you're okay with uh, a t-mobile uh, network and their coverage and you are looking for something unlimited simple mobile 50 bucks now finally in news at&t announced in an sec filing this week that they plan to shut down their gsm and edge network by 2017 the filing reveals that only 12 percent of at&t subscribers are still using 2g only phones the carrier says that it should be able to convince those remaining users to move over to 3g or 4g devices within the next five years the spectrum they regain in the 800 and 1900 megahertz bands will be used for its more advanced networks well, as we talk about each week, you can help support the cell phone junkie and the work we do by signing up for TCPJ Unlocked. The Unlocked podcast is our bi-monthly premium show, and you can listen to us chat about the latest in cellular issues, as well as interviews with industry experts and more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click the link for TCPJ Unlocked, and choose from either a monthly or quarterly membership. A big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. Well, the website iMore early on Monday revealed that it believes Apple is planning to announce the next iPhone alongside a smaller iPad during an event on Wednesday, September 12th. Now, the release is said to occur nine days later, the device coming out on Friday, September 21st. Also, a possible refresh for the iPod Touch line seems likely, though no information was announced. Now, all things D, The Verge, and The Loop all weighed in on Monday to confirm their sources, telling them that that date, September 12th, is the announcement date for the next iPhone. Both Reuters and Bloomberg confirmed that date as well. Well, it should be interesting to be a little bit early. I think they want to get a jump on the Christmas season, but also, I, you know, from what I've read that they... This uh, this date of the announcement is actually kind of uh, it floats up until the very end until they know they've got the manufacturing worked out and they've got enough inventory to actually do their you know announcement with the launch just a couple of weeks after because I mean there's a lot of uh, you know choreography that has to go uh, go beyond uh, behind the scenes to get this all just out all in such a short period of time so I think they really do kind of keep this flexible till the very end so. It'll definitely improve their uh, their uh, Christmas shopping season here if they can get this out a little bit earlier. 
all these mainstream sources basically confirming uh, this date. Uh, looks like it's good, you know, probably going to be a pretty good one. So uh, probably about five weeks from now. Now, uh, iLounge also reiterated the report, and they also offered up some initial details. So let's let's run through these real quick. So first off, they say two new iPhone cases will be released. The first one is like the current bumper case for the iPhone 4 and 4S, and another will have additional features that they think will come out, such as a stand, and that could be potentially after the launch. I don't know about a, a stand here. Uh, it, it seems very un-Apple, though. You look at what they did with the initial, uh, you know, with the, the smart cover for the, the iPad 2, in the new iPad. And so maybe, maybe it's not that far off. I would actually love that myself personally. I've, uh, you know, I've always seen those uh, kickstand style and like some of the HTC phones. And I thought, wow, what a great way to uh, have your phone sitting on your desk to look at it, uh, especially with the, the message notifications that come up on the screen where that you know, turns the screen on where you can see it that way. Um, I use that smart cover so much on the iPad. It's like the reason I use it versus using the touchpad because it doesn't have a a stand on it. So I think that's a neat feature. And uh, I, I really um, curious what other little hardware, uh, you know, improvements are going to make to the next iPhone. They say the iPad mini uh, will ship in November, just in time for Christmas, of course. And that uh, is something that who knows? I, I mean, at this point, I think we're all kind of assuming we're going to see something just because we've heard so much about it. But at the same time, I don't know that I'm going to really be surprised if they don't do anything with the smaller iPad. Yeah, it's it's such a it's an interesting it kind of goes against their model. It goes against what Steve Jobs said. It's, uh, you know, the iPad 2 is selling like or the iPad 3. I mean, it's selling like crazy. Uh, You know, you can get an iPad 2 for very inexpensive, especially if you go refurb. I just don't I don't know. This is a very interesting uh, product here. So you mentioned something to me a couple of days ago, and I, I, I think that we could actually be looking at something that is not, in fact, part of an iPad line, but maybe part of the iPod touch line. Yeah, I kind of think that, you know, we didn't see a refresh of the iPod touch fourth generation last year. They added a new color, but it's still unchanged since the release of the iPhone four. And, you know, to me, I keep thinking that maybe this is just going to be the bigger version of the iPod touch. And somehow it's gotten either rebranded or, or something like that. But for, you know, on the flip side of things, the iPod touch line has never been very you know, it's been popular, but it's not been real uh, mainstream, I, I, I guess to say. And, and maybe they're going to try to rebrand it as something different. But I don't know if they want to take the, an iPod Touch and call it an iPad Mini as well, because then that kind of cheapens the iPad brand as well. And, you know, if you can't do what you can do on an iPad on an iPod Touch or an iPad Mini, maybe they don't want to, con- you know, confuse that branding because, you know, we've got so much push in education and, and enterprise for iPads and, and what you can read and do on them. I don't know if they want to do that to the brand. So I, I, I kind of keep getting this, you know, feeling that this is going to be kind of the iPod touch replacement or, or something along those lines. Yeah. And that's, that's a very, very good possibility. And I, I'm not suggesting that they put the word pro in there, but I mean, like iPod touch pro, uh, could certainly be a name for it if it was, you know, something that's like an iPod, but a little bit more professional, I guess, whatever. But, um, you know, either way, it's it's something that they're saying is, uh, you know, on the docket for November. Um, iLounge also saying that the 16 or 19 pin connector rumors are wrong. The connection will actually be an eight pin connection. And they also have a source that claims that it will have other design innovations, potentially including the ability to be, connect- be connected to docks or cables in either orientation, kind of like how the MagSafe connector is done. Uh, and so there, there's some some potential changes there, and as far as what we've seen uh, and or heard about the new connector for this, 
and I read that it was actually uh, possibly going to be a magnetic connector as well, which would be really nice. I know because plugging in that uh, that iPod cable, I mean, you need to really uh, hold on to the device. Even the iPad, you have to just you know clamp down on to plug that that cable in because they, they've they've got a very good connection. So uh, that would be handy as well. We'll just have to kind of see how that uh, plays out. MagSafe would be great. I'm sure, uh, you know, obviously it's made sense for them in the, the, the laptop side for so long. Why not do it on the mobile device side? It's something where if you happen to trip over the cord or something, it just unplugs it and it doesn't, you know, fling your device across the room if you trip on it. Yeah, and I also read one speculation that that, uh, you know, that that new port could possibly be compatible with uh, micro USB where you can then charge charge it with a micro usb obviously you wouldn't be able to get all the extended data features but maybe uh maybe just a uh, you know uh, syncing or um charging with micro usb possibly as well yeah this is one of those really kind of minor details that i think is going to be a bigger deal uh when it comes out is that i if they can incorporate some of these these ideas that we're talking about some of these these thoughts that we're hearing are going to come out this is this could potentially change how some people think about this you think about the the idea to have kind of like a dock or a cradle uh, that's you know a little bit easier to use, where you just set it in and it it it's it's not inductive, but it's it's very close to that. And I, I like I like that. You know, you you do you, you sometimes kind of forget that you have to use these things every single day, and you have to charge it every day. You've got to plug it in every day. You got to do this over and over and over and over again. And yeah, like you said, you know, docking and having to be able to just set it in a dock. You know, I've got there's a clock radio dock I have upstairs, but you know, to get that connection in. It, it takes, I mean, you have to hold the entire clock radio unit down to pull the device out because it'll just take it with it because it's, you know, that connector is so strong in the, uh, in the iPod Touch. So, yeah, to have something a little bit easier to just set it down in, like the, uh, the dock you used to have for the, 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 the bolt, that was absolutely great. It just just sets in there, just gravity sets and charges, and that, that would be really nice. And I would, I, w- I would love to have something like that. I mean, to me, a small thing like that uh, that changes the functionality of your day in and day out use of it is is one of those worthy feature things for an upgrade of a device. And I would, you know, look into selling and, and buying one of these j- for something as simple as that. You know, and I I do like that. Um, one other thing that iLounge said is that there also could be an iOS six plus Bluetooth four link. Uh, that would come with a new Nano. They had no details about what was going to happen with the new Nano, but if you think about uh, having a, a Nano uh, iPod and having a screen that could then be linked over to your phone and or iPad and have that display information, whether it's iMessage, emails, phone calls, you know, whatever, uh, that would be something that they're seeing potentially coming here. Um, Bluetooth 4, very low power, could run for literally months at a time uh, between charges if all you're using it for is, say, like a watch. Uh, so I can see them trying to really tie this in uh, and uh, maybe see some more uh, iPod Nanos on people's wrists later this fall. And that would be really cool. I would actually like that myself. I, would too. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I was I've, Lately, I've been using the iPod Touch a lot. I use it as an ar- on an armband. And to me, that's like the only way to, to do it because even on, uh, you know, pockets because on the cords kind of, you know, ungangly. But, uh, you know, I think that having a link to the phone would be really nice, uh, you know, with that because even with the iPod Touch, I get a lot of notifications and iMessages and stuff. And I find that really cool because then you can hear it that, you know, hear those notifications are coming in. So, you know, having another link like that, you know, especially using the Bluetooth 4, it can really... Uh, really be advantageous to kind of create another ecosystem you know one more one more extension to the ecosystem that apple's kind of built you know starting with the mac and now the ipad and the ipod you know in in really kind of building a a big you know universe that you that ties everything together 
Well, that's kind of what they've been doing, right? I mean, you know, getting people more and more invested in the ecosystem and had an interesting conversation this week on Android Central about whether or not I would ever actually change switch over primarily to an Android device from iOS uh, because of the eco, not the ecosystem specifically, but because of applications and the amount that I've invested in applications. And honestly, I don't know that it's the application side that, that keeps me. I think it's more of that ecosystem. The fact that I have the iMessage support, which I, the, the most important people in my life use iMessage. It's not that all of the people do, but the most important people do. And so I love having that connection with me everywhere I go. And that's why an iPhone is so important. Uh, I use the task list that is now uh, the reminders and, and that's across all devices including the desktop now as is notes uh, and it's just this they're building it up so that every every piece of, of what I used to have like third-party apps or, or different devices and try and tie all this stuff together is just so easy and so simple and they're really starting to make this iCloud thing well a thing I mean it's it's becoming more than just a, a way to synchronize uh, some some photos and stuff like that they're, they're tying in quite a bit they are. And, you know, and Android's made a lot of improvements as well, too. I mean, they, I, I suppose they don't have an iMessage style replacement. I mean, Google Talk is, is close, but it's not, uh, it's not entirely the same thing. But, you know, it's kind of like the BBM of the day where you've got the, the read and delivery seats. That, that, little, that little tidbit of information just makes all the difference. And, you know, we've just got to, uh, you know, see Android copy a little of these features maybe. But, uh, you know, they've both, they've both come so far uh, in the past few years that it really is uh, pretty amazing the, the power these two operating systems have just on their own. But then when you start getting some of the other ecosystem that Apple's built around it, I mean, you can kind of see why a lot of people do choose the iPhone over an Android in, in these particular cases. And, and it's not that there's a, it's a better device because that certainly is not necessarily the case. It may be a more convenient device or a device that features, uh, that has the features that are more important to you. Um, but when you're talking about raw specs and, and, you know, stuff like that, I mean, certainly the iPhone is not there and, and really Apple has never been the one that wants to lead that pack either. So uh, anyway, lots of different rumors, uh, potentially September 12th. It looks pretty solid right now. I've actually penciled it in on my, my calendar. 10 a.m. is usually when they do these announcements. So if you want to make sure that you're free at that time, throw it on your calendar. It's probably going to stick. Well, RIM on Thursday announced a new 4G LTE enabled BlackBerry Playbook featuring support in North America and Europe. The new Playbook will be first available in Canada with Bell, Rogers, and TELUS offering the device starting on August 9th. Other areas like the U.S. and the EU will follow. No word on price, but a lone 32 gigabyte version will be the only option to start. Pricing of the Wi-Fi only Playbooks have also dropped $20 recently as Canadians can now get the 16 gig model for $180 and the 32 or 64 gig versions for $50 higher for each, respectively. T-Mobile on Monday announced that the Samsung Galaxy Note will be available starting August 8th for $250 after $50 mail-in rebate. The price drops to $200 if you choose one of the T-Mobile value plans. Full price of the Note is $600. Samsung confirming to Reuters this week that the next Galaxy Note will be announced at the Mobile Unpacked event it's holding in Berlin on August 29th. Few details are currently available, though speculation includes a bigger, yes, bigger than 5.3-inch screen and a faster processor and the speculation is i think actually i think it was uh um either a day or so ago we've got a 5.5 inch is what samsung has confirmed that it's going to be i think is what they had said so that is getting up there in screen size i mean it's just a couple steps below the uh, you know nexus 7 style tablet but this one has a phone built in so uh you know i i, I think i read that they may have sold what was it seven million of 7 these million. Uh, devices so we've got uh 
uh, a huge demand for these uh, huge phones or mini tablets. And I love the S Pen, uh, that fancy pen uh, tablet and those those customized apps we saw at CES. I really, I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated by this particular device. I look at uh, what they have right now, um, you know, the, the actual screen size and, and the bezel and whatnot. And if they were to take up the top and the bottom just a little bit, they can easily grab another 0.2 inches and pretty much keep the same physical size, which I think is important. Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And I actually, I read that it's going to be a hair narrower, I think, is what I read even. It, it, the actual, they're, they're going to uh, shorten up the bezel even more. So it actually could be a physically smaller device. So uh, very, uh, very cool uh, very cool try that uh, Samsung did here. Let's say, let's throw this weird device out with a cool uh, stylus and see if it sticks. And this one seems to be sticking. Of all of the devices that are out there, this one has kind of got my attention most. If I were to look at another, uh, you know, another Android device to, to buy, and obviously it's not a it's not a, a Nexus device, and so I would be giving up some of the flexibility with that. But I would probably be gaining a lot more as far as functionality, and and that's where I think is important to a lot of people here. And people are just loving this. I mean, they don't have to carry a phone and a tablet; they kind of have both in one. They really do. And then also a notepad, too. You know, that's what the the stylus gives you that ability to, you know, take notes, you know, and and, and of course, it really depends on your particular needs. Personally, I don't take notes that much, but I know a lot of people who do and need to. And and if I did take uh, notes more and I needed to take notes more, I would be all over that. I really would. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, I I've kind of my my usage of of the note taking applications has almost dropped down to zero, and I'm not really sure why that is. Um, I think I'm just using task lists a little bit more than actually note taking apps or or what it is. But uh, it, it's it's totally changed. So that's that is uh, that that is something to consider. And again, if you're a big note taker, sure, this could be this could be great, especially if you're walking around trying to remember things or whatever. I end up sending myself a lot of emails, but uh, certainly writing on a device like this could be could be a lot of fun. So anyway, look for that. Uh, August 29th. Uh, we'll see more details about that, I'm sure, as we lead up to that. Finally, in devices, Verizon on Tuesday announced the Pantech Marauder, an entry-level 4G LTE smartphone with a slide-out QWERTY keyboard. The starter mode on the device comes with four home screens already preloaded with widgets, including one simply as a dialer. The standard mode is also uh, available as a more traditional Android experience, and users can switch between them at any time, retaining all settings and data. No word on which version of Android the Marauder is running, but the device features a 1.2 gigahertz dual core processor, 5 megapixel camera, 1 gig of RAM, and is available starting August 2nd for $100 with new agreement. Well, this show is also supported by the cell phone junkie podcast application for the true cell phone junkie the apps available for android and ios offer the best that this show has to offer in a simple and effective package you can listen to the show in the background while you do other things on your device you can also call into the show and email the show directly from the apps as well as following along with all of the articles that we talk about if you're looking to experience everything that this show has to offer our ios and android apps are available for one dollar and 99 cents well, Gmail for iOS was updated on Tuesday, bringing the ability to save pictures from emails to your camera roll. Other performance enhancements were also added, along with UI tweaks. The update is available for free from the iTunes App Store. 
Google on Thursday announced a new version of Google Wallet, now with support for all major credit cards. The new features uh, of the the new feature allows users to remotely disable Google Wallet via the web should a device be lost or stolen, as well as reset the app and wipe data off the device. According to Google, the Google Wallet app now stores your payment cards on highly secure Google servers instead of the secure storage area of your phone. The new app is available for free from Google Play and requires a compatible NFC-enabled device. Now, I know this week they also uh, activated the ability for the Verizon um, Galaxy Nexus to use the uh, Google Wallet now, just totally natively, no hackery involved, um, which is kind of a neat uh, thing for those users as well. Um, I saw this uh, come through on my phone. And and one thing that I, I almost don't like is that they changed it to the payment information is now stored on their servers because now it becomes a target where each individual phone isn't a target because it's so spread out. Uh, so that is one slightly disappointing thing, even though it'll probably in the long, long run actually be more secure. But that is one thing that I kind of think, oh, maybe not. And then also we saw the report that uh, American Express didn't actually approve of this. So what Google must be doing is using a third party processing uh, facility to take uh, care of all you know payment processing. So, okay, so what exactly does that mean? Because as a as a user of this, I mean, does it really matter if something, if some other service is processing the payments? How is that going to affect me as someone who's going in to use Google Wallet? Well, you know, it, it, it may affect you because you may not be able to have the same, uh, you know, and it probably really depends on the terms of your particular agreement on your credit card, but it may not give you the ability to fight certain charges uh, as easily if if you come in and say, you know, you bought something at uh, McDonald's, for, for example, or somewhere else, but it actually looks like it's coming from a third-party payment processing. They may not be able to work with you on disputing the charge or if something goes wrong with it because you no longer have the actual business you dealt with uh actually handling the processing so i'm not exactly sure how this will play out so i'm a little uh little little wary of this now so you're saying you may not have the visibility then into how where the transactions are being are coming from it could be that could be possible i i really don't know yet i'll have to probably do a little more research on this have you tied in a personal credit card to it yet no, I haven't, because there's no place, uh, you know, literally the only place around here is McDonald's to go, and I never go into the McDonald's. I always end up using the drive through So until they put those darn things in front of the drive through window, which I don't know why they don't have that, because that I would use like crazy, because I really don't like handing the credit card off to uh, off to the uh, drive through window, because actually here in this market, we've had a lot of... Uh, Credit card um, uh, swipes. Uh, what am I thinking of? Skimmers. The, they, skimmers. Yes, that's the word. Where the drive-through person has a skimmer in their hand, they're skimming the credit cards as they're as they're taking them in. You know, by the thousands. So uh, I would I would love to have that uh, ability, even with the you know the, the Google changes aside, because I'm sure it's a lot more secure than that. Well, let's ask this for those that have uh, Android devices that are NFC enabled, and you can use Google Wallet, and you've added one of these credit cards, one of your personal credit cards, make a transaction and let us know, send us a screenshot, um, even if uh, of your, you know, the transaction, how it shows up for you on your credit card bill. Not, don't send us your whole credit card bill. Just show no, us no, how no. it shows up because we'd love to see if it's like if you go to McDonald's, does it show up as McDonald's or does it show up as Google Wallet or some other third-party processing service? That would be very interesting to see. 
and I'll try to give this a try here, too. I just haven't had time the past uh, couple days to get to this. Okay, fair enough. Samsung on Tuesday launching its new Music Hub, offering a new service that on uh, U.S. carrier variants of the uh, Samsung Galaxy S3, the service offers access to music on the device and lets users purchase additional songs and albums from Sony, EMI, Universal, and Warner. Further, a $10 per month streaming service will also be available, offering unlimited ad-free listening. A 30-day free trial of the service is available, along with one free album. Music Hub is available for free from Google Play, and for now, it's available only on AT&T and U.S. Cellular's versions of the Galaxy S3, and will be coming later for Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon. Well, Amazon's cloud player this week was updated, now offering higher quality audio files and scan and match technology similar to iTunes Match. The new cloud player offers faster music importing, upgrading of matched files to 256 kilobit per second versions, and support for more file types. Amazon's cloud player is available either as a free or premium tier. The free tier is limited to 250 tracks, though tracks purchased from Amazon don't count against the total. The premium tier is $25 per, per year and allows users to store up to 250,000 tracks in the cloud. That's 10 times the number offered by iTunes Match. Amazon is also reducing pricing on cloud drive storage plans. Users can choose from paid plans starting at $10 per year for 20 gigs up to a maximum of 1,000 gigabytes for $500 a year. The Cloud Player mobile app is available for both Android and iOS. Now, this is what I'm talking about. If you're going to do something, let's do it right. And and Amazon has 250,000 tracks on scan and match available in the cloud. This would actually meet the need that I have if I could figure out a way to 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 use this. I, I think uh, if I had not given up on managing all my own music a couple of years ago, this would be a great thing because having every single song that I own, um, which this actually would allow me to do and give me a little bit of headroom for twenty five bucks a year. This is how iTunes Match has to be, and if they were ever to do this, I would probably uh, take a look at that as well. Yeah, you you know, uh, you know, like you, Mickey, I am uh, completely off the managing my own music thing, and I just use the Sirius. Basically, that's uh, basically just all I do for music and and a little bit of the slacker. And if they would have done this service, you know, four years ago, I probably would have signed up as well and and, and had that ability. But it, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will be able to take advantage of this and the upgrades of the songs and everything. This is a really neat, um, you know, a really neat option for really not that bad. I mean price of two cds in a year i mean that's pretty amazing to basically carry every single song that you have in your library that you own with you all the time and upgrade it to 256 kilobit per second uh music it's, it's a very very good thing because i know a lot of us have have music that we've ripped and or <clears throat> maybe have downloaded in the past uh that wasn't up to that quality and so uh, it could scan and match that and get you up to that that high bit rate and so it's uh, it's pretty neat and i like seeing this so anyway good on uh, amazon for getting this taken care of uh, with what it should be 25 bucks a year for 250,000 songs finally today verizon confirming that it is pushing out an android 4.0 ice cream sandwich update to the htc resound the update can be downloaded over the air. Resound users will be notified when their device is ready for that update. Well, in questions and comments this week, we've got three comments. First up is one from Paul. He says, guys, today, uh, July 31st at midnight, Telecom New Zealand's CDMA network is closing. It has now been completely replaced by a WCDMA network. I got my old Samsung W531 world phone out of the drawer this weekend and charged it up and am now using it until midnight. I did the same thing when they closed down the old analog network back in March of uh, 2007. 
I also got the old Motorola StarTac out and found that it still had $35 of prepaid credit on it after not being used for several years. Those were the days of prepaid. Well, I was amazed to see the great speech quality of analog compared to the GSM networks around the same time. Same goes for CDMA when it was introduced. WCDMA, not too bad though, but it depends on what your phone is being used for. Keep up the great work, guys. Paul, I, I thought this was kind of a neat comment from Paul, and that's why I wanted to share it. That you know, you you talk about being nostalgic, and you know, you've got a, you've got a network like he's talking about that's getting you know sunsetted here after you know many many years, uh, probably close to a decade of use. Pull out an old phone, use it for a little bit, and just kind of be nostalgic about the days when actually all you could do on your phone was make phone calls, and text messaging seemed like kind of a futuristic thing to do, or not even something that you would consider. It was just pick up the phone and make a call, put it back in your pocket, but all you were doing was just sitting there and making phone calls. So kind of an interesting thing so long to cdma on telecom new zealand yeah and the, uh, the nostalgia is kind of like the uh you know star tax we used to use mickey for many years where all they could do was uh phone calls but then you could also do data on them which was really really weird i mean if you were crafty enough they had the uh you know depending on the which model you had the the uh, wap browser built in which you could use for wireless web minutes and then uh, for me i was always into the geeky side of things so i had the data cables and was able to do dial-up connections and connect to the internet on those things back uh, way back then long before it was kind of a uh, anybody knew what that meant looking at a shelf of phones and I'm trying to decide if uh, there's any of those that I could take it. If I, I don't think I've got a StarTech that's got a SIM card port on it or SIM card. Um, yeah. Port. I, I guess it would, they were all TDMA at the time on, on, on AT&T or either CDMA, which neither one uses the SIM card, but I do have some really old AT&T phones here from circa 2002, 2003 that I suppose I could try out. There's boy, some of these are so small. Some of these Nokia and Siemens phones. Remember the, the Siemens egg phone that it was like just the size of a, probably an egg. Well, that's why they call it the egg phone. And it just slid up and all it had was this little tiny keypad on it. That was, that's fun. Maybe I should try that one again. Yeah, my friend uh, had a, a Nokia. It was a little tiny Nokia. It was like it was like the standard Nokia, but they put it in a shrink ray and shrunk it by about, you know, 70%. <laughs> and it was this little teeny thing. It didn't even go, you know, halfway down your cheek, but it worked fine. And it was just a tiny little teeny phone. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to start getting back into these in another year or two. We've, we're going to get to this point where all these phones are way too big and all of a sudden, they're going to start releasing some tiny phones and people are going to flock to them because they forgot that anything like that existed. I'm going to start putting my uh, doing reviews of devices and putting them up against some of these small phones from from years ago because it is it is pretty interesting to think about that where how far we've come with size. We went for years going small, 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 small. And now it's just it's going back up, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I think uh, maybe some of the uh, you know some of these other devices that we are we're going to be seeing are is going to help uh, bring this transition back due to like the Nexus Seven tablet and and maybe even the five point five the Galaxy Note maybe as a kind of a device you don't carry every single day and you want something for the off times. Uh, you know, if you've got a tablet that does pretty much everything your smartphone can do, we're going to start seeing some tiny little cell phones that all they do is text message and make phone calls and then has a wi-fi tether on it and that's all it's going to do turn tethering on and off to make your tablet work and it's just going to be a phone connected to the uh, cellular network and that's my gut feel is what we're going to start seeing here at this point 
I like that idea because in the future, yeah, you're you're talking about a you're talking about a service that people are, uh, you know, they're going to want to spend more time uh, on their tablet. Which brings up another question. Let's go the other route. And uh, Kevin Tolfel over at GigaOM had a great article this week talking about using uh, it the other way, having no phone and doing all of your phone calls on your tablet, just because you're not really doing that much phone calling anymore. And yeah, you can either use speakerphone or or plug in a headset when you need it. But the majority of what you're going to be doing is actually browsing the web, and you can obviously text message through through the uh, you know the data services like Google Voice and that makes a lot of sense too absolutely and that's kind of what I was referring to because I saw that but but you know what for for the vast 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 majority of people that's not a viable option I would never ever ever consider doing that and I would never recommend anybody doing that because you need your phone for emergency situations and if that thing's a tablet you're not going to have it in your pocket when you need it realistically because you know most people don't even have home phones there's no such thing as a pay phone anywhere you need to be able to uh get help uh because this is now the model basically of the of the you know the country and the world here that you need to to be able to have communication on you at all times and and i don't think that's a viable option so that's why i kind of think a device that has you know wi-fi tether you know as like your only smartphone option could be something that we'll see yeah that's that's a good way to go uh, as well um you know to to be able to do that uh if you have a fast radio in it um, but you're not necessarily needing to uh use it for checking of email or whatever it is and you just want to use it you know to create that data and you know cloud whenever you need it then that's that's an interesting way to go i can see that i wouldn't be it wouldn't work for me um no no i wouldn't work for me either but i could see how some people would like that i really could yeah Mm. next one here is a uh, comment from ryan ryan says guys it's ryan here from the android central forums continuing to love the site and the show i wanted to pass on a quick tip when at&t announced their sure data plans it was mentioned that their old plans would still be available to new customers verizon no longer advertises their previous individual or family plans however i may have found a possible workaround currently if you order a galaxy s3 from verizon's website you're taken to the pre-order portal rather than their normal sales channel after selecting a phone you'll be given the option to choose a plan individual or family if you're ordering more than one phone and share everything all show up as options i'll put a direct link uh, in here and this is for the pre-order portal which can be found at pre-order.verizonwireless.com slash slash iconic uh, i've also attached a screenshot showing my order for the droid razor on an individual nationwide talk 450 plan with a four gig data plan with hotspot and 1000 text messages i can't confirm that this totally works since i stopped once it asked for billing information but thought i'd pass it along to share with your readers and listeners that want to switch to verizon but are hesitant about going with the share everything plans keep up the great work thanks Ryan. Well, Ryan, this is a great find. I, I've yet to hear this. So this is this is very interesting to, to see that maybe you can still go with one of these older plans. I don't know how much longer these will be around. I'm guessing they were, you know, maybe a, a 30 or 60 day thing or who knows, maybe they'll be around for a while. They're just not going to be advertising them. But from, you know, for the general consumer going out and trying to buy it, it looks like the only choice you have is those share everything plans. Yeah, it really does present you that way. They do have, if you really dig around on their site, they do have some other options and mostly they steer you towards prepaid, but they do have like a 450 minute plan. I think I came across uh, on the website, but it's really, really buried on there. So, you know, they, they, they have to keep an option that's somewhat affordable for, for people who, uh, who don't want to pay that, you know, for the one individual user, the share everything plan isn't very good. And again, if you're one of those people who decides that they are switching over to Verizon uh, and you are or purchasing a new device and you're choosing uh, one of these 
uh, individual plans uh, that is not an unlimited plan and you are able to get it pushed through, let us know. We'd love to hear that. We will share it on the show. Uh, next one, a comment from Data Hog. He says, hey guys, big fan of the podcast. Never miss an episode. Uh, last week, a listener left a voicemail stating his concern for having all of his apps and user-wide data open for others to access while leaving his tablet available for family members to use. I use an app that is free from the Play Store called AppLock. It allows you to set up a master four-digit PIN from then within the app, then you can apply the PIN to any app on the device. In addition to acquiring the PIN for selected apps, you can apply it to system settings and even managing your application settings. Although it isn't the same as having additional user profiles, such as a Windows PC, it works well for keeping people out of my personal data and does allow for my grandkids to purchase it does not allow for my grandkids to purchase games it can also prevent someone from uninstalling tracking apps uh, and or in the case of a device is stolen by denying access to the play store and manage application settings just wanted to pass it along with hopes of helping out my fellow tcpj fans regards data hog from the popular android forums well this is uh, very interesting and i appreciate uh, him sharing that app lock again is the name of this uh, application you can get from the uh, play store for free and uh, could potentially help you out and maybe manage your device a little bit better. Thanks data hog very much for sharing that. Finally today, a comment from bill. He says, Mickey and Joey last week in episode 321, a response to a question from Josh, the Verizon MVNO page plus uh, was uh, suggested as a possible solution to his problem. I thought I would write in to reiterate uh, to relate, excuse me, my recent experience as a new page plus customer. I just replaced my Verizon iPhone 4 with a Droid Razor Max primarily because I needed global capability and I desired a phone with 4G. I decided to keep my iPhone as a backup phone for limited business calls and also to use as an iPod. I purchased an activation from Page Plus online for $10 and was assigned a phone number. In order to activate the phone, however, I had to contact Page Plus customer service. After a 15 to 20 minute wait on hold, I was finally connected to a representative who was happy to assist me. First off, she stated that since I have an iPhone, there is no guarantee that the activation would work. She also stated that it was possible that at some time in the future, my phone might stop working on their system. Finally, she stated that Page Plus does not provide any support for the iPhone, though with these caveats stated, we pressed ahead and the provisioning process was done in less than 45 seconds, my iPhone now active and working. So far, so good. No problems at all. I purchased a plan called the 12, which for $12 a month gives 250 minutes, 250 text messages, and 10 megs of data. This should work out just fine since this limited phone is going to be on Wi-Fi most of the time and should have a low data cap uh, would be no problem for me. I will keep you informed of any issues. Enjoy the shows. Keep up the great work, Bill. That is absolutely insane. $12 a month to be able to have an active iPhone 4. Uh, I mean, that, that is staggering. I'm, I'm, this is a great uh, you know, a story here on how they got it activated for you that quickly. Gave you the proper warnings because, yeah, it's kind of, a, kind of a workaround that they're doing. And they're not entirely sure if some you know, software update from Apple will disable their service because Verizon doesn't like it. Uh, very, very cool. You know, I, I think that, uh, for a lot of users, actually, that'd be a great plan because I, I don't think a lot of people use much more than that. I know somebody with an iPhone 4S that their, their monthly data usage was about uh, 16 megabytes. So that really is a cool, uh, very cool option. And that is just insane to me. Joey, that's only one speed test. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, maybe two speed tests, maybe 250 minutes, 250 text messages. That's that's more than enough, I think, for 
um, at least minute wise, I know text message wise, maybe not, but then again, maybe you're using Google voice and it doesn't even matter. And, and so that, uh, you know, could be really good. 10 megs of data enough to maybe get your email sent and received, uh, on the device, uh, when you're out and about, and you can do more, your heavier data use stuff, uh, you know, outside of that, but it's, it's very minimal for me. It certainly would not work for me, but, uh, either way it's, it's, it's still a great deal and very cool for 12 bucks to have an active iPhone, like you mentioned. Yeah, and exactly. It'd be one of those things you'd keep the the network data off, I would imagine, until, um, I mean, you'd probably have to with that kind of limit, keep it off until you absolutely need to check your email. Or for me, what it would end up being, it wouldn't be email at all. I wouldn't, I would never use that uh, while I was out. I would use it just for Google Maps lookups. You know, if you needed to find a store or something like that, I'd, you know, turn it on and then look up the, uh, look up the address quick. And, you know, that's what I would use that kind of data for. Yeah. Well, I, I still, I still think about that and I, I cringe to think, oh, 10 megs though. I mean, I can see a hundred megs, but only 10 megs. Well, that's a, it's, not much. It's very limited. I mean, it really is. But, but if it's just one of those in case of emergency style things, that's, that's all you need. I mean, it really is. So no, no of course my real question is, is, uh, d- d- does tethering work? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no, but uh, <laughs> no, obviously not with the 10 megabyte plan. Yeah, no, I, I would imagine no, but uh, I, I certainly guess if it's an open device, if you're not using it on Verizon, what does it matter? Maybe, you're you're yeah. paying for the that amount of data. So I don't know, maybe it is. But either way, very, very nice. If, uh, you know, good to hear that at least you were able to get it activated. Uh, it gives, you know, some, uh, at least some consideration to using Page Plus as a replacement for Verizon. Uh, and great to hear that your 4S was able, uh, or excuse me, your 4 was able to be activated on there with no problems. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can give us a call. Phone number 206-203-3734 or send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com and we'll get your question or comment on next week's show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at the cell phone junkie.com.